From the Library of Maria Menounos, this is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. You know that feeling when you pick up a book and you cannot put it down because you have to know what comes next. I love that. And I know you do too. I'm Allie Kona Bradford and today on Book Circle, we have an extraordinary guest to tell a story about somewhat her life and a little bit of adventure. So joining us today is Liz Cocken. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So you've written this book, it's called Malice. It is an award-winning book. Oh yeah, oh, I forgot to put its certificate on it. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Okay, it's a, she's a Hollywood. I usually never yeah. forget that, but yes, um, it, is, it did win an award this summer. Fantastic. Well, before we talk about the book, because very interesting read, by the way, but I want to give you some street cred and talk a little bit about your life in Hollywood, because you have been a journalist in Hollywood as well as been on the political front. So tell us yeah. about you a little bit. So I started my journalism career actually in um, Chicago, and I ran the gossip column for the um, Red Eye edition of the Chicago Tribune for seven years. And broke a lot of stories on celebrities there in Chicago, and that caught the eyes of Us Weekly. And next thing I knew, I was flying all over the world covering some of the biggest celebrities for Us Weekly. And I've been doing that, or I did that for, I want to say, at least 10 years, maybe more than 10 years. Um, but I hopped around. I worked at Us Weekly, Star, National Enquirer, um, did I say in touch weekly? I mean, almost yeah, star. Pretty much like, you I, like name a magazine. Of, yeah. I like, you know, it just, um, whichever magazine offered me the, the better position or more money. And then I was like, see ya right. to the next right, gig. Right. But I, I moved to LA five years ago and I covered, I mean, I've covered everyone. I've been literally all over the world. I've covered Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt in South America. I've gone, um, to Alaska to cover the Palins. I've gone, to Europe several times, um, and I've and then I've been to like really like crappy places like oh sure, um, sure. Kenwood, Louisiana, you know, yeah. like back in the day when Brittany was you know up to no good and yeah. um, just small towns. Like in this book, I cover a prostitute who lives in Winnemucca, Nevada, uh-huh. which is a town that's only filled with dollar stores and brothels. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. But I've been all over and I've met many celebrities almost all of them and seen a lot and had a really good time doing it cool so i mean you've been very successful in that aspect of your life now this book parallels a bit of your life as well right and what i will say the takeaway from this is that you can be a smart educated successful woman and then engage yourself into a relationship and there are risks that sometimes people don't think about um risks as far as having unprotected sex with somebody that you are in a serious relationship with yeah and now that i have everybody's attention after saying the <laughs> sex. Um, let's talk about the premise of your book a little bit. Right. So Malice is a political romantic romantic thriller inspired by true events in my life. Um, it's about a tabloid journalist named Lana Burke who is working for in Hollywood for an amazing magazine as an editor slash reporter. And she gets a really huge scoop um, about the Republican presidential nominee and his alleged affair with the prostitute. So she's spending her entire summer covering this story. And as she's covering this crazy high-risk story, because at this point in the election, this candidate's up in the polls and it looks like this guy's going to win. However, if she breaks the story, that could, you know, switch the tide for him and ultimately change the 2012 election. So as she's covering this story, um, 
she's falling in love with this Orange County businessman in her personal life who appears to be the perfect dream guy, right? right. He's, like, good-looking, he's fun, funny, charismatic, wealthy, you know, the whole nine. And she has this kind of fairy tale romance that soon goes very, very wrong. Um, the first six months of their relationship, everything's great. They're, you know, yachting in San Diego one weekend. They're wine tasting in Napa another weekend, skiing in Tahoe. It's like an episode of The Bachelor, right? Um, and then six months in, she starts getting really ill. And this is happening as she's covering the story. And right. as she's covering the story, she's being followed by secret police and her hotel room's getting broken into. So she kind of is just doesn't know what is going on with her career and her relationship and her health. And um, and it turns out that it's going to ruin part of the book for some That's people. Okay. But okay. if you Google my name, you're going to figure it out anyways. Um, it, she gets really sick and it turns out that she ends up in the hospital with a deadly case of meningitis. And she starts researching all these um, conspiracy theories. She thinks that, you know, the secret police may have poisoned her and that, like, you know, that the candidate that she was covering I mean, must have had his people not attempt to knock her off because she almost dies um, because she's covering the story and, and she's barely able to finish the story because she gets sick. And lo and behold, long story short, it turns out that she got her disease from the man that she's sleeping with and that her right. meningitis was triggered by an STD right. that her ex knowingly exposed her and infected her with and then not only lied to her, but lied to her and all her treating physicians, which caused her disease to spread to meningoencephalitis, right. almost killing her, leaving with brain damage. And unfortunately for me, all that's true. Yeah. Um, now, why did you choose? Because this is such an intimate story and obviously based Based on your life, some of this is very raw and very <laughs> graphic. I, I mean, I read, I read the book, and there were guys. I read the book, and there were nice. moments where I was just like, "She just dropped the p word." <laughs> what? <laughs> and I kept reading. I was like, "What is going on here?" But why did you feel the need to be that um, candid with what was going on with Lana's character? Um. Well, you know what? One thing is. is sex sells like yeah. you know I'm yeah. no fool like I know that people like to read about sex um but it's you know Lana and her boyfriend in the novel Malden have a lot of sex and he loves anal sex I'm just gonna say he loves yeah. anal sex and um and, and and it is a little raunchy and it's dark and it's dirty but it's really relevant to who his character is mm-hmm. and you know, if you really think about it, a man that is allegedly in love with a woman and, you know, he wants to marry this woman and, and you know, he's in a loving relationship with her and he wa- wants her to have his children and all this stuff. You would think that that person would not only want, wouldn't, wouldn't only want to have anal sex. He'd want to make love it's, to her. Exactly. So, you know, I go to a lot of these places that are a, a little cringeworthy, but they're, they're very relevant to the story. And, um, you know, if Lana had been, you know, more assertive, she would have picked up on a lot of these things that didn't add up. You know, if you're in a loving relationship with someone, look, everyone likes to be adventurous and bad. I think every couple likes Mm -hmm. that. But it's very extreme in this book. And and it's extreme for a reason because there's something else going on with this person that she's falling in love with. There's something very dark going on with him. Um, And so... You know, I, I wanted to be really raw about that and honest about that because I want other women to read this and think, you know what? Like, 
there was that one guy I dated, and I, yeah. I like something didn't add up with him. And I, I, you know, there's a lot of red flags in this book that right. Lana doesn't pick up on until it's too late. Right. And I'm hoping that the lesson people take away with this is that they pick up on those red flags after reading this book when they are in the dating world and, and right. engaging in relationships with people who may be questionable. Right. Um, but, you know, on paper, her boyfriend seems, seems great. great. Right. Now, for you, though, in your life, it, it, did you go through those same situations? Not, not identical, but right. things where you were like, red flag, red flag, but my, my heart is telling me yeah. one thing and my head is telling me another. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I consider myself to be a very smart, intelligent girl. I've made a very great, successful career for myself. I've made a lot of money, and I've broken a ton of amazing stories. And, um, you know, but when it came to this situation in love, I was a complete fool. Um, I eventually picked up on, you know, what was really going on with this person, that this person wasn't being honest with me, and that this wasn't a good person. But it took a while, and once I really started realizing, whoa, this there's, this guy is full of it. This guy's not a good person, and he's not being honest with me. At that point, I was already in love with him, and so it was so hard to, you know, break up with him. Of Eventually, course. I did, but it, when you're head over heels in love with someone, it's so hard to think clearly, to see clearly. I mean, love truly is blind, and it doesn't matter how smart you are, right. how, how together you think you are. Like, if you get swept off your feet, you know, it's really hard to um, see someone for the for the way they really are as opposed to the way that you want to believe right. they are, right? right? Of course, you paint a picture and you want them to be your Prince Charming. Yeah. Um, and I think that's also another reason why that is very relatable in the book as well. Because part of me, when reading the book, I was like, why are you doing this? But the other part of me <laughs> did have that empathetic side of, yeah, well, I've been in a relationship yeah. where I'm sure every single one of my friends were like, what are you doing, right. girl? And you still do it. Exactly. It's terrible. Um, But let's talk a little bit about the disease because I feel like it is a disease that doesn't get talked to. STDs in general. I mean, I'm not in high school anymore, so I don't know what the conversations are, but I know that sex is something that happens a lot now, and I don't know if people are talking about it. So what were you diagnosed with, and what were some of the symptoms that you can maybe share with us so maybe we'll be a little bit more aware? So I was. So what ended up happening is I started having like vaginal symptoms like sorry it's like hey, and you guys happens. watching and be like Ugh. no it's okay but um so like initially i thought that i had a urinary tract infection or a yeast infection which is very most women that's very common to get these and you can treat these infections with over, over the counter or not over the counter but like mild prescription drugs and um and so that's what, and initially and i did go to the doctor right away and the doctor said you know i'm sure it's a uti or yeast infection you you know it's no big deal and i said okay and you know at the time i thought i was in a monogamous relationship it, it didn't even really occur to me that i could have an std because i had only slept with one person for an entire year right mm-hmm. and so when i started treating you know my inf- my infection for a yeast infection or, or uti and and it it kept getting worse then that's when I was like well something else is going on here and so um but you know I it basically I had common symptoms that most women have for urinary tract infections and or a yeast infection which is just like irritation down there and like you know it's uncomfortable to urinate and those kinds of things um, so eventually I, I I woke up one night and I was in so much pain that I literally could not I couldn't even stand up. Like, I was in so much pain, like, down there. I was burning, and it was the worst pain I'd ever felt. 
And I, I was literally like, I remember just like on the bathroom floor crying my eyes out. And finally I told my boyfriend then, you know, like there's something really wrong with me. I need to go to the hospital or a clinic as soon as possible. And so I went to a clinic that morning and the, the doctor said, you probably have an STD. If it's, you either have a urinary tract infection or an STD that, or I'm sorry, a urinary tract infection that spreads your kidneys, or you could have um, gonorrhea or chlamydia. And because he's like, those are the, the symptoms you have are for gonorrhea or chlamydia. At the time, my boyfriend and I were out of town. We were actually in San Francisco. And so, and I just switched jobs. I just went from working at Star to working at National Enquirer. Um, and so I, of course, my insurance had, like everything that could have gone wrong went, went wrong. wrong. And so I, my insurance hadn't kicked in and my then boyfriend at the time said, well, don't worry about getting tested for STDs. If you have an STD, I probably have an STD, so I'll get tested. You, you don't worry about getting tested since you don't have insurance. And at, when we were at that clinic, I told the doctor, look, I'm out of town right now. I'm in so much pain. Like, whatever you think I have, just please give me medicine that will knock it out. And he's like, okay, I can give you a shot that will probably take care of everything in a prescription, whether it's gonorrhea or chlamydia. And, um, and, and he said, you know, since you're out of town, you probably should just go to your doctor and you get home and then get tested, you know, right. whatever. So that was the plan. And so I got treated for gonorrhea and chlamydia and also for a urinary tract infection, that, which isn't an STD that could have been spread or spread to my kidneys, right? Those are the three things we thought I had. I felt a little better for 24 hours, and then the next thing I know, I'm in the emergency room and getting a spinal tap, and the doctors are like, you have meningitis. And they're like, we need to know if you have any STDs since you had, like, symptoms, like, vaginal-related symptoms. We need to know if you have any STDs and who you're sleeping with and if they have any STDs or if they've, you know, could have been exposed to anything. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well... I've already been through this with my boyfriend. He says he's clean. He says he doesn't have anything. He says he's going to get tested again. And they're like, all right, well, like, this is Hollywood. Like, we need to talk to him. Like, right. sorry. Right. Like, we've seen it all. Like, we've heard that before. And he, they're like, look, you have meningitis. And as of now, you're negative for all t STDs. Like, the initial test that they had given me, you're negative. But they're like, within the next week, you could be positive for syphilis or herpes meningitis. And we need to know now if you've been exposed, because if you have been, you need to stay in the hospital and you need to take this drug for the next week in order to prevent severe brain damage. Because if you do have an STD-induced form of um, meningitis, it causes more severe brain damage than just meningitis alone. Uh -huh. So it was vital for them to know if I've been exposed to anything. So they talked to my boyfriend, and sure enough, he said he's clean. Da -da -da. He told a bunch of that doctors. That kills me, though. You know what? I read that, and it really kills me because it was your health. Like, that's something that, like, in your mind, there's something is wrong if you love somebody. Yeah. I know it's embarrassing, but just, man, Well, up. you say it, you say it kills you. It literally, like, that deceit literally almost killed me. Like, the, those lies that he told my doctors delayed my treatment, and to this day, I still have brain damage because of it. Yeah. And I could have died. I, I came close to it. I mean, I'm shocked that I, I made it through. So, yeah, he lied, and um, sure enough, I they released me. I was treated for, like, I don't know, 24 to 48 hours, and then I was released. And a week later, my emergency room doctor called me frantically, and he's like, you're now positive for herpes. And like, you have what? herpes meningitis. Yeah, yeah. And sure enough, long story short, it turns out that I had contracted general herpes. And my doctor said, because that first day in the hospital you were negative – that means that you've been negative your entire life and that you've just been exposed. A week later, you were positive, but the antibodies still hadn't formed enough 
to show what strand of herpes you had. Right. So they, they could actually narrow down the exact, like, two, three-week window that I had been exposed and infected. And they're like, scientifically, if you haven't slept with anyone else, then... It no, came from that. It, there's no one else that could have come from it except for him. So at that point, my doctors told me that. Keep in mind, my boyfriend's still denying that he has it. I'm thinking, well, maybe he doesn't know he has it. Maybe he's, like, asymptomatic. Like, right. But then again, he claimed that he just gotten more STD tests and he was negative. So, you know, but, you know, like the hopeless romantic in me that was in love with this man who like really believed that he loved me back thought maybe he, how could he possibly know, how could he possibly sit there and lie to me? You know, my doctors, my, my life literally depended on it. I'm like sitting in a hospital strapped to an IV with meningitis. Yeah. And, um, you know, but my, my instinct was like, call his ex-wife. And I called his ex-wife, and sure enough, she's like, oh, yeah, he's had it for 20 years. He gave it to me. He gave it to a mistress he slept with while we were married. And I was like, what? I'm sorry. She's like, so, like, yeah, no big, you know, she's like, just disease. Uh, she, literally, yeah. she said, oh, he didn't tell you? What? And I'm like, no. So um, so that's when I knew that he had known, and he lied. And, and then she said, oh, and he takes medicine for it. Like, he actively takes medicine for it. And that makes it better for me. Thank you. Oh, God. So, I couldn't. And you were dealing with, at that point in your life, not only the devastation of being ill mm-hmm. um, and and the repercussions of that because it was permanent damage to the brain, but also heartbreak. How were you able to get through both at the same time? That must have been so well, hard. Well, not, not only heartbreak, but you have to keep in mind that my brain was so fried, I couldn't even sit up in a chair for weeks. I had to go home and live with my parents. I ended up losing all my jobs. I couldn't work. I ended up going on disability. I ended up losing my posh Hollywood apartment and moving into a welfare apartment. I mean, like, I my whole life was shattered and destroyed. I went from making six figures to going six figures into medical debt. So, not only was I dealing with heartbreak and the fact that I'm, like, you know, so sick that I can barely function, right. you know, um, I'd lost everything. My job, like, my pride, like everything. It was, I don't know how I got through it. I mean, I just, it was just like a blow after a blow after a blow. Um, it was, it was really rough. And I mean, if I didn't have such good family and friends there supporting me, I don't think I would have gotten through this and come out on the other end. Um, it was, it was, it was pure hell. And I went through, and then a, a year after my diagnosis, um, I got a whole new battery of problems because that's when the PTSD started. And so, you know, I, with the, with the health problems came anxiety, PTSD, depression. Ugh. It was, it's been a nightmare. It's been, it's been awful. Um, but you know what? It left me with basically no choice but to sit at home and write. And even though initially when I got sick, it was like having a stroke. I couldn't read or write the same way. I would look at words and like, I would look at that word book and it would say like boat. No matter how hard I looked at it, I'd be like, it says boat. And people were like, no, it doesn't. So once my brain started um, healing itself, um, I started writing as much as I could on days that I felt okay. Because I still get really bad migraines and vertigo from the brain damage every day. Um, so days that were okay, I would write as much as possible because there was, I mean, I couldn't work. There was nothing I could do. And I, I'm a writer and I always right. did want to write a book. I just didn't think it'd be this story I'd be telling. Yeah. So I just wrote and wrote and wrote as much as possible. And, um, I just kind of made it my mission to get my story out and, um, 
just poured all of that frustration and pain and right. all that nastiness into that book. And it was very cathartic. It was a very cathartic experience. It definitely helped with the healing process a lot. Why did you decide to also publish this book under your name? I mean, in the past, I know you've worked under an alias, or at least Lana yeah. did when she did certain <laughs> stories. You could have easily done that for this book. Why did you decide to be like, yeah, you know what, world? It's me. I am the one, and I am living with this. So the reason why I went public with this, I actually, before the book came out, I went public with my story um, by filing a lawsuit against my ex. Right. And the reason why I went public is after this happened to me, and I've got to confirm that my ex has STDs and that he knew about it and he like actively, you know, obstructed my health care and lied to me and my doctors. I, I, I confronted him and I said, look, here's the deal. Like, we're over. I want to have nothing to do with you, but pay my medical bills and we'll call it a day. And I was willing to walk away after that and just never look back. Right. And he refused. He wouldn't pay for one bill. Wow. And he, and mind you now, guys, he's a millionaire, right? Millionaire, billionaire. He had money. He has five homes or each, oh, actually just sold one. He's got some legal bills racking up now that he needs to pay, but he has five, he had five homes that are each worth around a million dollars, some a little more, some closer to two, some closer to, you know, one. But yeah, I mean, the guy owns five homes and two airplanes and like five motorcycles and don't be mad, but I actually have a picture of him. Can I show a picture sure, of him? Sure, go for World, it. World um, engineer. It, we have tons of pictures, so randomly popping up, but this is the gentleman at the time. Seems like a perfectly normal guy, and I think that's also another takeaway from this is he seemed like such a normal, great guy, yeah. but you really just don't ever know people. No. And he had this this wonderful family. I loved his kids, and he had this big, great, like seemingly great Irish family, and No. Yeah, it was nothing was what it seemed to be. And well, at the moment now too, I, you're still doing your lawsuit, are you not? So, so this okay. is what happened. So I asked him to pay my medical bills. He refused. I got a lawyer then and pursued um, civil charges against him. And we have we tried to settle court for almost an entire year. Mm -hmm. And even in mediation, he still refused to pay enough money to pay my medical bills. And the judge was like, "This is a joke." Insane. And even yeah. the judge was like you're a fool if right. you're not gonna this girl's case is very strong and her damages are very severe mm -hmm. which is very well documented and um and you know but at that point i didn't even want to settle because i was like oh my gosh even if he offered me a significant amount of money this man has no remorse right he's no remorse which means if he has no remorse he's going to continue to do offend it. And I could not look myself in the mirror. I could not wake up every day and look myself in the mirror and be okay with that, knowing that he could go on and, to, and harm other women and potentially destroy their lives and possibly kill someone at some point, right? right? right. And so that's when I was like, forget it. Like, I don't even want to settle with this man. Like, not only am I going to file this lawsuit, I'm going to pursue criminal charges against him too. Because he ha it's been, you know, been, at that point, been at least a year and a half. And no remorse, no sorry, you know, he, he want, he, he had no will to, to do anything to make right, make good of this situation. And that's how I knew that this man would continue this lifestyle to continue to infect women with diseases. And I knew I had to put a stop to it. And so I told my lawyer, I'm done. We're not settling. We're going to file this lawsuit. And because of rape shield laws, I could have filed the lawsuit as a Jane Doe. And I'm like, screw the Jane Doe throw my name on it. I've lost everything. I have nothing else to lose if I never get a date again because I'm known as the herpes girl now. So be it. At least I'll be able to 
look at myself in the mirror, sleep well at night, and know that I'm doing the right thing and at least informing the public about right. this person. That's why I don't have a problem with you yeah, showing yeah. this picture. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Say, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> stay away. Um, <laughs> you know, but I will say that I never knew that me being, and not just a female, female, male, whomever, I did not know that you can actually file a lawsuit against somebody if they knowingly infect you with an STD. Oh, absolutely. They have to. People, people have to tell you that they have an STD if they know before you guys engage in sexual activity. And, and the, the crime, like the law in California, the law is, it's illegal to knowingly expose and and or infect, which means that if you have an STD and you sleep with someone and you don't tell them that you have an STD, even if you sleep with them and they don't get anything, you can still be thrown in jail. Hello. Okay. So it's yeah. just just simple exposure yeah. without without disclosure. Oh, that rhymes. <laughs> um, means that that's illegal. That's a crime. Yeah. So you know that's 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 at the minimum a misdemeanor and jail time. Now, if you knowingly expose and or infect someone with HIV or AIDS, that's a felony. And we're looking at Charlie Sheen right, right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Going right into that topic. Here's your segue. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, thoughts, opinions. I know before we went on air, you were just talking about how angry it made you feel. But at the same time, having that journalistic aspect and knowing about this for such right. a long time, what did you know? And for how long have you known? I've known about Charlie Sheen for... I've known that Charlie Sheen's HIV positive for at least three years now. Whoa! Yeah. And um, he's someone that I've covered in the press, you know. Um, and But actually, one of the reasons I found out is because of my situation. Someone in the business was like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry about what happened to you. But there's, there's unfortunately, some Hollywood actors that, you know, are doing this. And, and Charlie Sheen's one of them. And so I, I heard, I've, I've heard a lot behind the scenes about, you know... Um, so I knew about this for three years and it really upset me and, um, obviously because of what happened to me and, but I'm really happy that the stories come out. So at least now the public is forewarned. Anyone, unless you're living under a rock, everyone knows now that he's HIV positive. So, you know, at least people that choose to engage in sexual relations with him now, hopefully will know like the risks involved. Right. Right. What frustrates me about Charlie Sheen is I watched him on the Today Show this morning, and again, I think the story is still unfolding. We've heard his side, but we haven't heard the side from some of these women who allegedly have been infected with mm-hmm. HIV because of him. Now, he's saying that he's told everyone before he's had sex with them that, you know, he has HIV. I've heard for years that wasn't the case. I've heard that he, the reason why so many the reason why he's um given out so much money oh is because he didn't tell people that he had hiv and after they got infected and they got a lawyer and said you gave me hiv that's when he said oops okay and paid them off but oops after the first time would tell you oops quit doing it again how how dare you and and that's why it goes back to why i went public with my story with my ex is that You know, if he would have settled and given me X amount of dollars, I firmly believe that my ex would still be doing. Actually, even though my case has gone public, I've heard from people that my ex is still sleeping with people what? and not telling them. Unbelievable. So, you know, with in terms of Charlie Sheen, and again, we still have to hear from the victims. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I believe what he's saying. I've heard 
the complete opposite. And one thing that I thought was really interesting that he said in the interview with Matt Lauer this morning on the Today Show is he said, I told everyone that I slept with that I had HIV. However, I was in a really bad place and I was doing a lot of drugs and I was drinking a lot of alcohol. And I'm thinking, if you're like addicted to drugs and alcohol and you're like going through these um binges right where you're drinking and you're doing drugs and you're probably blacking out you don't know and you're having sex yeah i highly doubt like after you know snorting a few lines of cocaine and like drinking like you know like i don't know right. a case of beer that you're gonna be like oh P.S. Before we sit down and engage in sexual relations, yeah, let me t- like let me fill you in on my like HIV deadly disease like, that I have. Come on, yeah. like you know. So for him to admit that he was doing drugs and like in a bad place and drinking a lot, but then to say that like oh, but he told everyone, it doesn't to me. It doesn't add up. Right. I hope that he did do that, mm-hmm. but. I don't know. Something you said that caught me earlier. You were saying how some of the people, maybe just because they're fans and they're just right, whatever. You know, poor Charlie and this, that, and the third. And then I'd also read when you went public with your case, a lot of people were giving you a hard time, and here you are the victim, and people are not looking yeah. at it from a victim stance. What were people's reaction to you coming out about your story? Like the negative that um, maybe people came with you at. Like overall, it was all positive. Oh, okay, okay. I did have. I was working. Um, part time, I had a, a weekly column in a Chicago newspaper at the time, and actually, a good friend of mine was my boss. And the the day my and I told her, she knew the whole backstory. I forewarned her; she knew I was going public. She knew my lawsuit was going public. The day my lawsuit went public, um, she contacted me and said, "The newspaper doesn't want to be associated with herpes, and if you do any interviews about your case, you can't say that you work here. We're not firing you, but you can't say you work here." You can't use our company's name. Wow. You can't say, you can only say, you know, certain words and you can only say that you've worked here in the past tense, if anything. And I'm like, but that's not true. Right. Like, like I've already turned in my next three columns, like, and they're all online. Like, what do you mean? And she said that you can't say you're a columnist. Oh, goodness. Like, I mean, it was yeah. a joke. Like, right. Um, and so I ended up quitting that day and I'm like, look, I'm not going to, like, th- what you're doing is discrimination and I'm not going to lie about my position with your company because you guys are uncomfortable with the fact that I have herpes. I'm sorry, but what happened to me is considered a form of rape and a sex, very serious sex crime. Right. And I'm a victim and, you know, it was appalling that she reacted that way and the company reacted that way. But overall, I've gotten so much support from just people all over the world, people I've never met that live in Europe that are like, I have herpes and like, I haven't dated in years and your story gives me hope. Um, There's so many, because I have... dated again i've read, uh, written articles about it i'm engaged your finger. i mean i'm engaged boy up. you gotta show that <laughs> <laughs> what yeah so you know a lot of people i have gone on to lead a normal and happy healthy dating life and now mm-hmm. i'm in a relationship and i want people to know that they can do the same there's so much shame that comes with herpes and stds of course but you can you can do it you just have to do it the right way in a legal way and you have to take the right precautions and you can still live a, a wonderful life you know um, so overall, most, most feedback has been, has been good, but there were some people, I mean, there were some haters online. A lot of them were my ex, like writing comments. So it's like, <laughs> of course, stupid. like he writes, it's hilarious. He writes, he writes reviews on Amazons. He like opens fake accounts and like writes fake negative reviews about my book and like the only positive thing i'll have to say about my book is like about his character and then like you're like come on man that's so obvious (laughs) it's like 
it's so obvious and like he'll reveal things only he knows in in his fake reviews and i'm like dude does he think i'm that like i, I know, know it's you it's crazy wow. but um but yeah i mean there were a f- there were a few people like that were haters like there was someone that said like wrote a comment on one of the articles about my case saying oh like she was a slut and or she was a whore in high school and like right. i'm not surprised and i'm and i was laughing at that because my friends made fun of me. I was a virgin, like, my whole high school career. I was, like, yeah. the only one of my friends that didn't lose my virginity until, like, after high school. Right. And so I was like, really? Like, do you... Now I do was you- like, you know, but whatever. People are going to say whatever they want to say and, like, hate. But the bottom line is I didn't lead a promiscuous lifestyle. I was in what I believe to be committed, loving relationship with someone that was, I believe, to be monogamous with me. Mm-hmm. And... To diseases don't discriminate. All that needs to happen to be in my position is that you trust the wrong person once. And there are yeah. people that reach out to me that have been married for 20 years, only slept with their husband, and guess what? They yes. cheat, get an STD, and yes. then next thing they know, they have an STD. You never know. You know, you don't need to lead a promiscuous lifestyle to be in my position. You just have to be in the wrong situation with the bad person once. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was going to ask you, do you feel like people ever, not discriminate, but there's a stigma behind women who have STDs versus a male that has one? Because to me, I feel like, and this is my own personal opinion, yeah. but if you were to look at a woman, the thought would be like, oh, she was probably like a slut or blah, 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 blah. And if a man were to have an STD, it'd be a little bit more like, oh, you know, he was just getting a lot of tail and he just you know, yeah. happened to sleep with the wrong girl, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, is that something that you feel is actually a, a reality in some senses i haven't really experienced that like firsthand but, but i mean i definitely think that there's a double standard when it comes to you know promiscuity with men and mm-hmm. with women i Absolutely. mean that, that's just obvious but i think the you know i chicago you know the situation that happened with the chicago newspaper i worked for was devastating to me and it was really unfortunate um, Chicago's a little bit more conservative. It's Midwest. But I've found that Hollywood has just totally embraced me. And they've mm-hmm. embraced my story. You know, my book won the award this summer at the Hollywood Book Festival. And that's what I love about Hollywood is that, you know, they um, they accept your you for your flaws. They accept Absolutely. you for you. And they embrace people who can admit, hey, like I had something really bad happen. I was really stupid. I, I trusted the wrong person or whatever it may be. And, and Hollywood is a very forgiving place. Um, so to, to bring it back to the Char- Char- Charlie Sheen situation, um, you know, I hope that he does f- move forward and do the right thing. And um, I hope that, you know, now that it's out, that he uses his platform to bring more awareness to the dangers of STDs and what the lies and what, you know, what the repercussions right. are. I mean, some people don't even know that it's a crime to yeah. expose someone to herpes. Honestly, until I read right. your book, I did not know that. Yeah. It's, it's a very serious crime. And not only can it destroy the victim's life, it can, the perpetrator's life. I mean, my ex is screwed, right? Like right. my case, my trial starts in a few months and we just had a preliminary hearing that did not go well for him. Um, he's looking to lose every single thing that he's worked for his entire life and this man's in his 50s so you know i even tell guys that like you know are maybe like kind of leading the playboy lifestyle like be careful because if you infect someone with a disease like you can lose financially everything and and possibly your freedom you could be thrown in jail too right 
So, you know, I'm glad that there is some good coming out of my story and hopefully with Charlie Sheen's story and that people are talking about this and, and they're learning the laws and the dangers and, you know, how to protect themselves. And so I am very grateful that there are positives coming out of Absolutely. these horrendous situations. Absolutely. While I have you here, though, there are a few things that I have to ask you. Because, sure. you know, inquiring minds want to know, um, because you've lived a life in Hollywood mm-hmm. and you've scooped so many different stories and in reading your book Lana goes about getting these stories in certain ways and every time I've passed a National Enquirer and I'm like sources say that you know so and so and so and so I'm like sources who are those sources really yeah. this story is probably not even true but in the book Lana has you know polygraph tests and she has to do this yeah. and cover that what is the actual process of uncovering those type of stories in Hollywood oh that's true oh really like if you like the National Enquirer story that comes out tomorrow on Charlie Sheen I haven't read it yet but I, I've read you know like blurbs and summaries of it and mm-hmm. it doesn't it hasn't come out yet so I don't have, have my hands on the full story but what I've read about this story and since I've worked there I know this um, they've been sitting on the story for 18 months. They've been working on it for 18 months. They probably knew about it longer. I mean, mm-hmm. I've known about it for at least three years, so I'm sure that they probably knew about it too. But they've been working on it for a year and a half. Um, and I also read that they had sources take polygraph tests, and mm-hmm. I'm sure that they got emails, text messages. A story like this is so litigious, and every tabloid has lawyers that it is almost impossible to get it past the lawyers unless you have tons of evidence to support it. Got it. So sources taking lie detector tests, um, emails, text messages that prove someone's claim. Because anyone can say, oh, this person has this or this person gave me that or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you have to have evidence to back it up or else the lawyers will not let you run with the story. Right. Because, you know, then the person that the story is about can sue you and then the paper could go under right. from one lawsuit, right? Um, but I will say that there are stories that in the tabloids are embellished a little bit, mm-hmm. but those are always the ones that aren't litigious. There are stories that, like, celebrities don't sue on. So Right. Uh, that's so interesting. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. I always tell people this and they're like, what? But, so if you read, so, for example, a story about someone having an affair, okay, or, like, something, like, Bruce Jenner being a woman like those are the crazy stories and those are usually ones that are true because they're the most litigious if someone's having an affair that can ruin someone's marriage and if, if right right now there's always there's I, I I've, I've talked about this in the book they always want to say Jennifer Aniston's pregnant that's right. been on the cover of tabloids Forever. millions of yeah, times yeah. right that's not a litigious story I mean that doesn't hurt Jennifer Aniston it doesn't right. You know what I mean? It's not something that she would waste her time suing a magazine for. Right, right. So I say the crazier the story is, and if it involves an affair or like something like this. that's hot right now. Yeah. That, if that, usually that's the kind of story that needs to be checked over and over and fact checked over and over again. And, and And it would never have made the cover if it wasn't. So the ones that tend to be the most litigious and the craziest are the ones that are usually are true. Yeah. Um, I had read you'd said something in the book also too, as far as let's say a tabloid makes an accusation, mm-hmm. Accus- you know what I mean? Yeah, accusation. There you go. I can pronounce. And and it's something like the reference in this book was David Beckham cheating mm-hmm. on Victoria, and him publicly saying, "I'm going to sue you." Da 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 da. But right. secretly, he's like, "Never mind. I'm not going to sue you guys. Right. It's okay." And that's just for the public, right? So what happens is a lot of times a story will come out that is true and celebrities will announce that they're suing 
mm-hmm. that the story's false and they deny it and that they're going to sue, but they don't actually end up filing a lawsuit because it is true. Yeah. And if they did file the lawsuit, you know, it, let's say like a celebrity is having an affair okay. and it's true. He has to, he, he'll come out and say, oh, it's not true. I'm going to sue to make it look like he's innocent. Yeah. But then he doesn't actually file the lawsuit because then if he files the lawsuit, the magazine says, okay, we're going to subpoena all your phone records with this person and text messages and X, Y, and Z. And then they're like, uh, okay, never mind. Like, I'm don't worry about it. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. because then the evidence in the, the lawsuit and the court proceedings, if it is true, would prove that, yeah, it is true. Yeah. So they'll say, oh, I'm going to sue. But if they don't actually end up filing the lawsuit, then it usually means like, it's, it's true. That sucks. You know, when it's your favorite celebrity and you're like, really? He's a cheater? No. Yeah. No. Um, last thing I'll ask you in this topic is like, what is, I'm sure you get this all the time. Yeah. Craziest story you've ever covered that you were like, this is bananas. No way. Um, it's the, the story is, is this in real? this book. Go ahead. Give it to me. <laughs> well, I will say that I've covered a few politicians, but the craziest story in that I've covered is, I detail it in this book yeah. and it's, and it's about a, um, real, a, public... a real politician that ran for president. Can who... I guess? Sure. And for, for protective purposes, I'll say, um, uh, Rit Mamani. Yeah. Is it, is that who it's about? Well, the guy in my book is Mormon, Mormon. So yeah, I don't like, know. That's the only Mormon Republican that I can think about. So that's why I was like, mm, wow. Yeah. Okay. So that I did cover a story that involved a politician having an affair with a prostitute who was running for a very high office. Um, it was one of the craziest stories I covered in the book. The outcome is a little different than it was in real life. Okay. So I don't want to okay. blur things up here, okay. but I will say, so this kind of makes sense. Um, there are, there's a lot of stories I've covered that are crazy that I do believe are true that have never seen the light of day. Oh, uh, you know, to be in your shoes. So <laughs> because, you know, like something doesn't go right like like all of our ducks are in a row and then at the end of the day you know we need the source to take a polygraph test and at the end of the day and after they we've interviewed them and done all the stuff they refuse there's been instances where i'm this close to breaking a story but then that one last thing that i need that one piece of evidence or that that source to take a polygraph test they they check it they chicken out the last minute maybe they get paid off i don't know but that happens a lot so there's been a lot of crazy stories i've covered and you know like the one I talked about in my book was probably the craziest involving this politician um, and a prostitute and an alleged affair. I right. I say that. Right. Alleged affair with a prostitute. But um, And his taste for sex is definitely interesting. <laughs> we won't say, we won't spoil it for you guys, but it's not just sex. <laughs> FYI. You've seen it. Yeah. And I will say that, that truth is stranger than fiction. And like, I didn't, sadly enough, I didn't have to use imagination it's so sexy yes yeah. <laughs> yes well to give to give your viewers a hint it involves golden showers yeah yeah but in the most interesting way possible yeah. trust me on that one um <laughs> there are so many things i would love to talk to you about. you're such an interesting individual just your life story and it's so inspiring in everything um if people want more information on you your book and stuff that's coming out where can they find that on you yeah, you can. I'm on social media, um, Instagram and Twitter at Liz Crokin, L-I-Z-C-R-O-K-I-N. And then I'm, not, I'm the only Liz Crokin, I think, on Facebook. And I check it constantly. Um, the book's available on Amazon.com and paperback and in Kindle. And I believe it's available on BarnesandNoble.com, too. So. Nice. 
nice. So, yes. Oh, awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming and sharing with us. Just, Thanks so much for having yeah, me. Intimate details on just your personal life. Again, I think it's so commendable and so brave of you, thank to, you. to do this. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. And you guys, thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to turn it to the front right now. I'm Allie Kona Bradford. You can find me at Boys and Beauty 01. You can find me on YouTube, Boys and Beauty with Allie Kona. I talk fun, boy, juicy news and gossip. Probably not as interesting as the stuff that Liz has covered. <laughs> um, and then I give beauty tips all from my bathtub. Good times. Anyways, find me on YouTube. In the meantime, thank you again. We'll see you next time on Book Circle Online. Goodbye. From managing editor Jason Squamata, executive producers Maria Menunos, Phil Svitek, and Kevin Undergaro, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Book Circle Online. For more discussion, go to bookcircleonline.com. And if you have comments, questions, or book title suggestions, write us at info at bookcircleonline.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this is Book Circle Online. BCO, join the circle.